I think you've just got to try and stay stay authentic. You do stuff for likes, you're going to feel like an idiot, or I would anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I like to think that what you see is my real life, but it's not my entire life. This is Dawn, a very unlikely ultra cyclist, and you're listening to the Just Bikes podcast from The Metal Set. Stay tuned as I'll be chatting with friends and fellow cyclists about all things bikes. That's ultra, adventure, gravel, mountain biking, and all sorts of type two fun. Welcome to part two of my chat with cycling storyteller, Juliet Elliott. As I mentioned in part one, both episodes are really standalone. So if you're joining for the first time, hello. And if you've listened to part one already, welcome back. To set the context, Juliet Elliott is a friend of mine and also a widely followed cycling storyteller who shares adventures and advice on two wheels in a series of fun, accessible videos on her YouTube channel and Instagram account, which together have a combined audience of over 225,000 followers. She's gained such a following through sharing adventures and advice that is fun, accessible, and all with a dose of good humor. In this episode two, part two, we talk through how Juliet came to be a cycling content creator, which is really a story of how she came to be a cyclist. We talk through what she would be doing if she weren't sharing stories about bikes with the masses, how she deals with trolls, e-bike haters, I'm looking at you, and what her followers may not know about her. Juliet also offers advice for anyone considering putting their story out there to the world for fun or as a potential career choice. We finally talk through what she's learned in 2023, her New Year's resolutions, and what destinations for cycling are on her wish list. I found this chat super enlightening and as a fellow content creator of sorts, very useful. As I hammered home in the intro to part one of this episode, please do check out the show notes where I link to all sorts of fun content from our guests, as well as resources that may be useful. I hope you enjoy. talk through I want to shift gears obviously related but you're a content creator you're a storyteller like I mean you share all of these adventures with everybody on your YouTube channel on your Instagram I think you have over like 230,000 followers between all platforms which is insane when you think about that many people watching you and stuff and you ride a lot of bikes I was thinking about it you know as I was preparing for our chat I vividly remember when I first heard about YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> University, and one of my flatmates was like, come in, I got to show you something, you know, on their laptop. And I'm like, what? What is it? He's like, this is YouTube. And I was like, what? What? What is that? And he's like, people upload videos on it. And I'm like, why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I said, for people to watch? Like, why would someone do that? And now, you know, YouTube, like I have to say, when I turn on my TV downstairs, I watch a lot of content on YouTube, like shows, and it's kind of democratized. This storytelling, people can have a platform. And I went back, my first 
experience watching your content was race around Rwanda, which I felt like I was in it. I was like, oh, there I am. <laughs> and I loved it. <laughs> there was one point you and Juliana were, and it's hilarious. Number one, your race around Rwanda series is hilarious because that was a funny, funny race in a lot of yeah. ways. But uh, at one point you were like, our friend Dawn was out in the weather. And I was like, I was, I was out. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We were worried about you, Dawn. <laughs> you know, thinking about my own <laughs> discovery of YouTube. I mean, you must have, you couldn't have grown up thinking I want to be like, a, you know, a content creator, a YouTuber, because it didn't exist. Like, how did you, how did you go from like riding a bike as kid, as a kid, which I'm assuming you did, right? To becoming like this storyteller with all these people all over the world following your adventures? Well, firstly, I didn't grow up cycling. I mean, I had a bike. That was when no one had to wear helmets when I grew up. No kids wore helmets. Anyway, <laughs> I didn't grow up cycling or have anything to do with the cycling industry. And I didn't really start cycling until really late in the grand scheme of things when I started commuting in London. Right. And almost immediately, my bikes started getting stolen. I mean, it's awful in London. Everything, all bike stuff gets stolen. Like I would go back and they'd stripped like they took the fork they took I mean they took everything so I'd get worse and worse bikes and everything would get nicked and I just thought you know what I'm going to build the cheapest simplest bike I possibly can with the fewest bits that can get stolen so mm. I decided I wanted to build a fixed gear bike and that was when people were just starting to kind of get into them we're going back a while now maybe 2007 mm -hmm. so I managed to get a frame it was actually an abandoned old steel road frame that had been left in someone's communal garage for a long time so we liberated this frame and then um i begged borrowed and bought parts to build up this bike and i did that myself just by like learning about how to do it online or asking on forums and stuff and i did it for practical reasons but when i rode it oh my god i loved it i just absolutely loved it Cycling before was just like a means to an end, just how to get to work. When I built up that fixed gear bike, I was suddenly like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. So, bit of a long story, but bear with me. Around that time, um, fixed gear bikes were just starting to get big. And I became friends with some guys who were in this sort of fixed gear collective called Fixed Gear London. And one of them, this guy, Super Ted, was sponsored by a brand called Charge Bikes. And they wanted to sponsor a female rider as well. And he suggested me. So that is how it all started. Thank you, Super Ted. <laughs> so because I just got sponsored by this bike brand, I wanted to keep a diary, but I, I didn't have, I knew I wouldn't have photos to stick in my diary because no one had them anymore. Everyone had digital cameras. So I thought I'll start a blog. So I started a WordPress blog and I would write little bits about what I was doing with Fixed Gear London and the bike brand I was working with. And then I would post little photos on there and it was my diary. But people started reading it. And then Charge Bikes asked me to uh, write for their blog. And then some other brands started asking me to do stuff for them. And it all kind of snowballed from there. Um, so it wasn't really anything that was intentional. It just kind of happened. Although, obviously, once I saw it was working, I capitalized yeah. on it, you know. So 
that's how I ended up doing YouTube. I was like, oh, I should put some video content on my blog. That'd be cool. And the video content just ended up taking over. It was doing better. And I'm quite a slow writer. So I, I write fine. I'm fine with writing, but I'm quite slow at it. And the video was a bit easier, a bit more fun and was getting a better response. So I just started focusing on that, really. That's amazing. Yeah. So I have to confess, I went back and I looked at your first videos. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> 13 years ago. I think there's like two from like 13 years ago. And then there's like a couple of year gap. <laughs> I'm actually going red. I am going red. Oh, gosh. I don't even know what's on there. I know that's one of me. Oh, I, anyway. <laughs> I... I'm bad for that because when, before we started the first podcast, I listened to quite a lot of podcasts and I was like, I'm going to listen to the first podcast of every podcast that I like just to hear what the difference is, you know, yeah. and some of them were not so different. Some of them, you can tell there's like an evolution, but I mean, just in terms of video content though, there's a big difference in technology. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, I was just like, what? I was like, they must have used like a camcorder, or something, I guess. Uh, yeah. I, I, I can't even remember what I used at first. I remember a lot of the time I would just use a phone at the beginning, but phones weren't even right. that good back then. So, yeah, there was doing it on the phone. No, maybe not iPhone. I don't know. I think there were, you know. Do you remember that app called? instamatic or something like that yeah. Like, yeah. yeah i think we use stuff like that god it was so long ago yeah it must be 2017 so sugar mm. that's 16 years ago whoa i am old I, I, well, I, well, we're <laughs> on the same age we're young we are yeah, young. yeah 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 <laughs> depends who you're comparing us to dawn well no i'm like i'm young at heart we're young at heart we're young we're young yes we are we are we are everyone listening we're young yeah um you were also I remember because I initially talked to you about this in Rwanda just kind of asking a bit about you as well you were a snowboarder at some point right oh yeah well I was I was a pro snowboarder so I was on the Burton European team I had some sponsors and I uh that's what I did for a living I got paid to go snowboarding it was fantastic but um I suppose and I suppose that gave me a bit of an insight into how to make the cycling sponsorship work because I knew mm -hmm. what brands required of you. Even back then, I knew you had to, you know, get yourself into a certain number of publications and send over your coverage and show them what you were doing and make sure you represented mm -hmm. the brand in a good light whenever you got the opportunity to. So I think that did give me a bit of a hand when I started out with that cycling sponsorship way back in the day. But yeah, in the end, I quit snowboarding because I kind of started having panic attacks about um about competitions and it all became right. very not fun for me so I I moved away from it yeah I think that's something I mean with our other podcast the metal set we talked to a lot of athletes and I think it's it's kind of one of those things, right? When you love something so much, but at some point it becomes like a chore yeah. you know, to you. And like, you have to then reassess, like, 
what am I doing this for? Is it if it's not bringing me enjoyment and joy and fun and happiness? So, but I'm glad to see you. You're you're taking to life on two wheels. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, I found something else, and um, it's funny though. It's only maybe in the last year or two that I've even wanted to start going snowboarding again. And uh, yeah, so I took my daughter last year, and now I've got the bug again. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, my past experience has put me off for a long, 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 long time. But now that I've moved on from that, I, I want to go again. Will we be seeing any snowboarding content on your channel? No, I don't think anyone's interested, really. I mean, yeah, you've just got to focus on what people want to see uh, as much as you can. Like, I don't, I don't ever go and do something for the channel. Like, I wouldn't yeah. expressly go and do something on purpose to sort of please viewers or something everything I put on there is stuff I want to do and then I film it yeah. but equally I don't think you should film everything because it doesn't work it's a cycling channel so I mean people get a bit yeah. cross when I put motorbike stuff on there so I think snowboarding okay. would be a bridge too far yeah <laughs> really? I, yeah I mean do you know I sold my dirt bike I had a dirt bike oh, here boo. no but I was like it was laying on it was gonna lay another year like nobody riding it yeah and I was like I can't get another year it's not right it needs to be out you know but that's surprising people wouldn't like people don't like your motorbike stuff on because I feel like the cyclists here like I know a lot of dirt bikers who are mountain bikers and road biker road cyclists as well there's kind of like a lot of crossover here in there is of, there is here as well yeah. um there's a lot of crossover between motorbikes and cyclists but there is a, a small loud minority of people that are very sort of purist and think that you're choosing purist. if you ride an e-bike and blah 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 i just think if it's fun ride it whatever i was actually having this conversation um what was it new year's we went to the desert and it was my first time properly taking my truck into the desert and i was kind of listening to the side at one point, like thinking <laughs> the truck is over. But then when I didn't, I was like, okay, this is fine. You know, I did it. But I was having a conversation with somebody then after when we were having a barbecue about e-fat biking in the desert and how much fun it is. It's like Ooh. dirt bike life. You know, yeah, we, you should come visit and we should do it. It's really I, I should. Fun that would be fun. I'm up for it. <laughs> go up dunes and stuff that are you wouldn't normally be able to go up on through your own yeah. <laughs> power on a fast And it's really serene and beautiful and being oh, in the It sounds tunnel. like fun, yeah, Dawn. Count me in. <laughs> I think any type of cycling you do, you know, if you enjoy it, like who cares if other people like it? I know yeah. there's a lot of e-bike caters out there and that's okay. You don't need to like them, but be yeah. quiet about it. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. You don't need to like it, but don't try and spoil it for everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. At what point did you become full-time, like, content creator and storyteller? Um, I don't know, really, because it all kind of happened gradually. I, and, then, and then also because I'm never quite, I'm never quite certain that it's ever going to last. So I've always tried mm. to have my fingers in as many pies as possible. So I, I sort of used to write for other websites and magazines and stuff. And I suppose I phased that out without realizing it. Um, and then even now I, I work for other people. Like I work for We Love Cycling as an editor and content creator. So I don't, 
I don't know is the answer to that question. I suppose, yes, rationally, I am full-time and I have been for quite a long time. To me, it always feels a bit precarious. So I don't know. Today's episode is brought to you by the Spinney's Dubai 92 Cycle Challenge. Would you know that this was actually my first ever bike race? The next edition of the challenge comprises three events, all starting and ending at Expo City Dubai this coming February. This is a challenge for everyone. The junior rides and the 35-kilometer Total Energies Outride are both set for Saturday the 24th of February, while the 92-kilometer UCI Grand Fondo World Championship Qualifier takes place on Sunday the 25th. For more info and to sign up, visit cyclechallenge.ae, easily linked in our show notes. I'll see you there. I mean, I think... I guess, you know, in some respects, because I do communications work and also we have this podcast and the metal set is growing and stuff. But I kind of feel like if anything, the past couple of years has taught everyone that everyone's job is precarious. I suppose so. Yeah, that's true. Something is certain, really. And it's it's great to be able to do something that you love and has purpose behind it. So, yeah, yeah that's kind of I feel like when I'm sometimes I get in those moments where I'm like, oh, stomaching a period of it feels like things are going slow or whatever. I'm like, no, 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 it's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> because, yeah, you know, stability in a in a job is an illusion to me anyways. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've always thought um, like, well, back in the day, I used to think, oh, gosh, well, when this comes to an end, what on earth am I going to do? I've got no skills. I'm going to have to just work, uh, you know, at the checkout in a supermarket or something. But uh, I suppose as I've grown older and I've collected more skills, I've started to realise that actually what I do is actually work, even though it's fun. I've had to learn how to use lots of different software and how to, you know, colour grade and how to write good copy. And so I suppose... I would hope that I will have a job doing this forever. Maybe not always just creating stuff for my own channel, you know, maybe working with other people. But um, hopefully nowadays my skills are useful in some way. Yeah, no, I mean, like I said, I love watching your stories because I feel like you bring an authenticity to it. And, you know, because I've been I've been front and center in one of the, (laughs) you know, (laughs) so I can testify to everything, you know, kind of that you're presenting to people it's really authentic but just the framing I don't yeah you're I don't think people realize how much work goes into content creation like just actually thinking about it as you're doing it which is a challenge for me because I'm like so like "Ah, I can't I wouldn't be able to think about that that's a challenge in and of itself on a race but then framing and editing it and putting a lot of footage together after to make a story that makes sense for people is a real skill (laughs) you know like I think a lot of people will probably because it looks effortless because it looks very natural people underestimate the amount of time and skill and craft that goes into that so you have a lot of skills (laughs) oh thank you (laughs) no they're wonderful I really really love the stories that you share I mean, with sharing your kind of adventures and everything out there, I know we talked about the e-bike haters <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> Do you get people sometimes online? Like, I th- suppose people would feel like they have access to you and have a right to say things to you sometimes. How do you deal with that? <laughs> like, I feel oh, like I would yeah. be like, oh, no. Like, it is really like- weird, isn't it? That I just, I find it so hard to understand that, some people feel the need to say things 
like make derogatory comments about strangers on the internet what motivates them to do that I don't know but anyway how I deal with it it just depends on my mood really a lot of the time Mm. I'm just so used to it I just brush it off it's someone somewhere whose opinion I just can't care about I don't know this person I don't know them would I care about their opinion if they offered it on what I should have for lunch? No, it's just totally irrelevant. They're nothing to me. So most of the time it's like that. But if you catch me on an off day or you say something that cuts to the bone, then I get upset like anyone would. Um, on YouTube, mm-hmm. I've set up certain, I've filtered out certain words because That's there are good. certain things that I would find upsetting, like people mm-hmm. commenting on things I don't like about my appearance or something which is just bullshit, mm-hmm. isn't it? What's my appearance got to do with you? But yeah, so I suppose sometimes sometimes I get upset, but most of the time I just sweep it under the carpet. The annoying thing is there's this thing called negative bias. So apparently, you know, if you have 99 good comments, the one bad one is the mm-hmm. one that sticks in your head. So I always try to yeah. remind myself of that when I'm dwelling on yeah. a negative comment. I think, remember all the other lovely ones. And there are so many lovely ones. And when I go out, Oftentimes people come up to me and say hello and say how much they enjoy my videos and shit like that. So I'm like, just remember all the nice people. There are a lot of them. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, my friend Catherine is an example. She's like, Juliet is so inspiring. I love her story. She's got such a positive attitude. And, you know, this is before I met you. And I'm like, yeah, she does. Yes, she is. (laughs) You know, and it's hard. Yeah. And, and it's kind of the thing. Yeah. We all do have a negativity bias. And this is why like, you know, some of these races that we do as well, people are like, you know, the worst kind of craziest thing to happen. But then I'm like, there's some really beautiful, beautiful things that happen. And I guess similar when you're sharing, when you're vulnerable and you're sharing your story and especially in these races and stuff, sometimes when you're cycling, really vulnerable moments of yourself. Yeah, exactly. You know, like putting it out there that you quit the race and you basically failed. You have to be in a a good frame of mind to be able to do that, I think. And most of the Mm. time I am, thankfully. But uh, you'll you'll always get some people who will give you shit about it. And you just have to be rational and think, you were not there. And I I do not see you racing. But I had a comment recently. What was it? Oh, yeah. across uh, After Across Andes, someone said something about me never finishing races. Never finish. Oh, you never finish. Oh, you can't finish anything. I was about to start replying, listing all the stuff I'd finished, like 400 kilometers in, you know, less than 36 hours at Istraland, this, that, and the other. I was about to start listing all the stuff I'd finished. And you thought, don't feed the trolls you just can't reply because that's what they want then they know they've touched you they've reached you and they've made an impact so I'll just delete it most of the time good and you know I can imagine who's writing that it's someone who's never even started never even started they're sat on the couch making these judgments you weren't there you don't know anything about it I had quite a dramatic moment on Biking Man Oman, Biking Man Taiwan a couple of years ago. I was on a WhatsApp group from an earlier race. They were like, Don, do this. Don, do this. Don, do you know this? And I was just like, Yes, I know. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I remember his message me, so they're like, Are you okay? I was like, Yes, I just can't hear these people. <laughs> <laughs> 
there they don't know <laughs> yeah i think yeah i mean i have a whole new appreciation now for for people who create content who storytell online because i'm doing it in an audio format and i just know how hard it is for me to share my vulnerable moments so every guest that i interview and other people who are out there creating you know to give entertainment for free for people, you know, like to, to have this resource, to give information and to kind of storytell. I'm just have such a new level of appreciation for everyone. <laughs> I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of sport when I was maybe pre-cyclist, it all celebrates the, the glory and the, the best moments or the winning and stuff like that. But there's so much other elements around sport that yeah. you, know, you kind of want to know about and hear about and particularly with cycling like all these amazing adventures on that note about like good things and positive you know feedback from people what are some of the best things to come out of you creating this YouTube channel and sharing all these adventures well I would say selfishly the best thing that's come out of it is that I get to go and do this the whole time which is amazing I mean I yeah. am so very very lucky you know, a lot of the trips I go on, I just pay for them myself out of my own pocket because that is um, a legitimate business expense, you know? Like yeah. me going on a bikepacking trip somewhere I want to go is a business expense. And so I think that I'm super privileged and happy and lucky to be able to do that. But alongside that, obviously, the nicest thing is when people come up to you and send you messages and they're like, oh, I had a really hard time last year, you know, this happened. And then I found your videos and you motivated me to go out and start riding again. And I'm not blowing my own trumpet, but this happens quite a lot. And it is yeah. so lovely to hear these positive stories. And, um, you know, a lot of the time, the people that I'm reaching are not just, you know, kids and the traditional users of YouTube. It's people of all ages and, you know, mm. I find I find that that's really nice as well, that, you know, my stories are kind of reaching all different kinds of cyclists rather than just racers or whatever. So, yeah, I, th I guess I just feel very lucky, really, to be doing what I'm doing. Now that it is, a, you know, a job, essentially, yeah. for you, it's providing a living. Do you ever find like similar with snowboarding, you have to kind of check yourself sometimes and be like, oh, uh, you know, that something is going to get a lot of airtime or people are going to be interested, but you don't necessarily feel like you want to do it yourself. Do you ever have those conversations with yourself? Like how do you kind of manage that to, to keep the enjoyment and fun? Yeah. Well, yeah, there are certain things I know that would do well, but I don't, I don't want to do them. And um, yeah, I think I'm not going to list what they are because there's a reason why I'm not doing them or <laughs> make them. Yeah. But um, I think you've just got to try and stay, stay authentic you do stuff for likes you're going to feel like an idiot or I would anyway yeah. so yeah. yeah I like to think that what you see is my real life but it's not my entire life yeah yeah I think that's accurate yeah if you had a choice of any other career what would it be oh for sure I would work at a zoo or something like that I'd work at a zoo or be a vet yeah. Or, yeah, just something with animals. I yeah. always wanted to be a vet growing up. And then my mum said, quite rightly, she didn't think I'd be able to handle, you know, having to put animals down and all the mm. really tough emotional bits because I really wear my heart on my sleeve and get, I just get super upset. I can't cope with stuff like that, Dawn. Not at all. Like, yeah. you know, my cat Betty had a bunch of kittens recently. Well, we had Aww. to give 
them all away to friends and family apart from one kitten which we kept for ourselves well I mm. cried and my father just thinks I'm completely crazy but that's what I was like I cried because we had to give the kittens away to our friends and family so I don't think I could have been a vet uh, for that reason but maybe I could be a can you be a cat groomer cats don't really need grooming do you I just like to work with animals <laughs> I think there's cat groomers here. I don't know what cats they're grooming because mine certainly wouldn't. They do it themselves, don't they? <laughs> she just wouldn't be able, She, you just would not be able to do that to her. She's pretty feisty. But Aww. yeah, no, I get that about the animals. I had a foster cat a couple of years ago that is actually now in the UK, but he was quite oh. violent. And despite his violence towards me, <laughs> I ugly cried when Joey looked. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> the most toxic relationship you've ever had I was like I know but I could I was inconsolable for like a week that Joey was gone but I can't deal with a nine year a nine kilo violent no no that sounds a bit much yeah well we sound very similar then I I get overly emotional about stuff so that would not work for me yeah looking at your career and content creation what advice would you give to somebody who wants to get into content creation I mean, for cycling or other sports, because a lot of people listening to us, it's it's a career option now when yeah. you're a young person. I think it's so fantastic. There's so many other careers now you can have in, in the world that didn't exist when I was growing up. Like, But what advice would you give to somebody who wanted to um, move into this career? Well, oh, that's quite a few things I could say. Um, I suppose it depends on well, firstly, what target? Sorry, what? Firstly, what platform you're going to target? Because it's probably going to be easier for you to focus on one to get going. So Instagram or TikTok, or well, you could do Instagram and TikTok or YouTube. I think it's really quite hard to do them all all at the same time. Mine have kind of grown alongside each other, so I've managed them like that. But to make a success easier, I think it would be best to focus on one of them and then. You've just got to really put the work in. And that's, you know, from every angle. So if you are doing Instagram, you need to really stay on top of what everyone else is doing and you need to react really quickly to it. So, you know, I remember going going back a couple of years, everyone was saying it's reels. You've got to do reels. All everyone wants is reels. And this was before everyone was doing them, but you've got to keep your ear to the ground and find out what everyone's talking about. So all of a sudden, we're all doing reels mm. all the time and everything. And then you're looking at them and you're thinking, everyone's putting captions on reels because people look at their Instagram at work with the sound down, right? Mm. So all of a sudden, yeah. there's captions on all the reels. It's like, if you notice that, you've got to start doing captions on everything. That's what's working. So you've mm. got to do it. So it's about being quick to react to trends and stuff like that. Being consistent is really important. I'm really bad at that. Here's me giving advice. Um, I'm going to put out two YouTube videos a week. That's my own self-imposed target. I never bloody do. But anyway, try and be consistent, unlike me, um, and make sure that you use as good quality equipment as you're able. You can do stuff with an iPhone, but just make sure that yeah. you've lit it correctly. So consider mm. how to make the quality of your footage the best it could be given the restraints of the equipment you know stand by a, a window with nice light so that improves the quality of your phone camera etc cetera, etc cetera. and then the final one would be just to try and kind of find your own voice and what it is that you're trying to say and 
how you want to say it. So um, I think everyone's got an interesting story to tell, but you need to mm. make your story personal and sort of amplify it, I suppose, because mm. what's uni unique about you is what's going to interest people. Yeah. And I think that's about it, really. Just I would say just get going, just get stuck in, just keep trying it. Things will work, things won't work. Don't give up and yeah, go and have some fun. Just figure it out. Yeah, I think having fun is the most part. When it becomes not fun, I think people can kind of, people can, can sense that, right? When somebody's yes. just doing something because they feel like they need to do it. The Total Energies Outright is ideal for cycling enthusiasts, families, children over 13, weekend riders, and everyone looking for a fun Spinners to Buy Cycle Challenge experience on traffic-free streets. Registration now open. Visit cyclechallenge.ae. What's something? that people who follow you and have followed you for a while wouldn't necessarily know about you? Okay, so I might as well answer this question because I do get messages about it, which I think is really weird, you nosy Parkers, but I'll tell you anyway. So um, <laughs> I, I adopted a daughter with my ex-husband. People are quite interested in this whole story um, we separated and now divorced so we um, co-parent our daughter that we adopted and I met a new man with whom I now live so everyone's wondering who all these extra kids are that keep popping up and stuff that I do they're my partner's kids they're like what did you adopt more children no they're my partner's kids so um there are now we now have four children between us and three of them are the same age because my partner has twins and I have my daughter. So we have three seven-year-olds. So in the last wow. few years, I have become overnight a mum to triplets and a teenager and I never gave birth to any of them. <laughs> You're outnumbered. I am so outnumbered. Oh, my God. It's so overwhelming. Go back to school, kids. <laughs> That's funny, though, that people are, like, nosy asking you these questions and stuff. Yeah, I, I get, get like, DMs about it. I get DMs about it. And I think that's a bit of a weird one to discuss on a DM. If I come out and say something about it, fine. But <laughs> sometimes people, like, I wouldn't ask... You know, I I don't know. There's like a code of silence in one side of my family. Like nobody asks any questions until we finally get together. And then we're like, oh, I would, didn't know about that. But just funny asking like a complete stranger. Someone yeah, a complete stranger. Oh, did you and Dave split up? I mean, did I miss something? Well, no, I didn't put out an announcement. If you're wondering, did you miss the announcement? There wasn't one. It's a cycling channel. It's not like, you know, a soap opera. <laughs> there you go so anyone listening out there if you have the urge to ask someone you don't know personal <laughs> question yeah <laughs> dm your favorite podcast host and maybe ask them yeah <laughs> <laughs> um okay well thank you for sharing that here and i hope it clears up everything yeah, <laughs> we should do like cyclist confessions on on the the just oh, Bikes yeah. podcast a bonus session or bonus uh episodes so 2023 i'm gonna go back to 2023 because all these amazing adventures 
Was there anything like kind of a big takeaway or learning you had from the year, like this year in particular and all the amazing stuff that you've done? Well, a couple of things. One of them was not to listen to other people in races. That was the big one, you know, because I I made that mistake in Across Andes that I still regret. So um, I will make sure that I know my own mind and stick to what my own plan is, um, adapting it as I go along, but, you know, based on what I want to do. And then the other one is that I could do with just sort of thinking a little less deeply about what it is and what it isn't I want to do. So every now and again, I'm like, right, that's it. I'm going to quit racing. I'm just going to focus on bikepacking, exploration, adventures, da, da, da. And then another time I'm like, no, 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 I want to go full on into ultra cycling and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and da, 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 da. And I spend hours pondering these things. And then at the end of the day, what works better for me is just doing whatever I feel like as it comes along. So that might mean that I'm never mm. going to win an ultra. Well, I'd say I'm definitely never going to win an ultra. Mm. But, you know, it might mean I won't win an ultra and it might mean I don't have as much time to explore. But overall, it means that I'm going to be ticking all the boxes I want to tick. So I'll get a bit of everything. Mm. So I think that's what I'm going to continue doing. Don't worry if you haven't got a main focus. Just kind of carry on having fun. So that's my my goal, my takeaway, I suppose. Yeah, I love that. I'm kind of focusing more on intuition this year you know like listening to your little gut you know your little voice in your head and your gut feeling about what actually excites you or what yeah. kind of is like a tour and kind of follow that and that's kind of why I'm moving into mountain biking now for a while because I just feel like I want to I want to explore that I want to you know have those kind of moments with that and nice um, well, I hope I get to join you on one of those trips sometime that'll be that fun was- you have to come out and visit, number one, like yes. out here. We'll have adventures. But when the weather is, like, now is the perfect time to visit. But yeah. maybe next year or something. Yeah. It's hot. It's hot around February. Like, end of Feb, it starts to warm up again. New Year's resolutions? No? Or yes? Um, no? Are we doing well, New Year's resolutions? I don't have any real New Year's resolutions. Just um, that... They're just many, many little silly things, really. So very boring. My partner and I are doing dry January. <laughs> so that's um, no drinking for January because we both like a beer, but we've decided to give our livers a rest. Um, and then the other one I want to yeah. do is um, last year there was a Strava challenge where you had to ride at least 30 minutes a day for the whole month of January every day. Uh, and I really wanted to do it, but then I got COVID. So I'm going to do that one this year. Um, but no oh, nice. resolutions for the whole of the rest of the year, just little things to keep me motivated throughout January. Yeah. Yeah. I Somebody asked me, I was out for a ride with one of my friends, and he said, if I have any New Year's resolutions, I said, nope, I don't. Just focus. Just more focus on things that I'm doing rather than oh, yeah. trying to that, be distracted. Actually, <laughs> saying that, you've reminded me. My other resolution <laughs> is to try and find moments of calm. So um, Mm. I get really like an absolute chaotic whirlwind. My life has no routine or stability, really. I'm all over the place. And I've decided that in 2024, I want to make a little bit more time for some moments of calm. Mm. I like that. Yeah. I think the calmest moment I had last year on a bike was Korea, was South Korea, riding through that. I just That sounds nice. I love that. 
Yeah, it was super cool. I just chose the wrong season to go. So lesson learned. What adventure is there out there that you haven't had yet that you want to have? Oh, my God. This question. There's so many. There are so, 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 so many. Okay, so pretty high up the list at the moment. I really want to go um, to Nepal and bike pack the Annapurna circuit. I have been chatting Mm -hmm. to my friend Laura. She might be up for doing it with me. I might go there, but I don't know. I mean, I can't do everything. That would probably be next year. So definitely Nepal bikepacking. I want to go somewhere really quite remote and, you know, different to what I'm used to. What else? Oh, I really want to go cycling in Hawaii. And I really want to go to New Zealand and go bikepacking. Oh, yeah. And also I want to go bikepacking and wild swimming in Norway. I really want to do that. And also in Finland, because they have all these amazing lakes and stuff. So loads of things, really. Yeah, there's so many. Oh, oh, wait, wait. I thought of another one. I thought of another one. I really want to go um, mountain biking in the Alps from, you know, the refugios, the little huts they have, the mountain refuges. I want to do a bikepacking mountain bike trip between all the mountain huts. Oh, nice. Yeah. I want to, I think I'm going to be walking that over the summer. Nice. <laughs> the Tour de Montblanc through, yeah, off a bike for a little while. It's been so nice to chat. I mean, you do, you inspire so many people to get started with cycling or to enjoy it or to try new things. What words, would any parting words would you have for anyone out there who's maybe I don't know, thinking about trying a different type of cycling or getting started or is maybe in a bit of a funk, um, which I found myself a couple of times having to get (laughs) motivated to go out on bikes. Well, um, I would just say, don't be scared about giving things a try. And, you know, don't be put off if you feel like you don't have all the right stuff or all the right knowledge. You know, you can accumulate those as you go along. And I would say for the main point, the main part um just be open about that and most people will want to help you it's perfectly fine to be like saying oh i'm new to this how does that work or whatever 99% of people are going to be stoked to help you out and encourage you and give you a little helping hand so yeah i know it can make you feel nervous sort of stepping into something totally new but if you take a deep breath and go for it then you know chances are you won't regret it yeah and one last question i have out of all of the stories that you've put out, experiences on YouTube, is there anyone that's any video, not necessarily the experience, but any kind of end product of the video or the story that's online that's your favorite that we should check out? Well, I don't know. I suppose I really, really liked the Rwanda stuff because mm. I had so much fun making that. Like, as we said earlier, it, this is a job, and sometimes the storytelling can um, be an extra job to do whilst you're doing a bike ride or a race. You know, it's another thing to do and you're yeah. doing it because you have to do it. That happens, of course. Um, but other times mm-hmm. it's just so much fun telling the story. And that was certainly yeah. the case in Rwanda. Like even if I didn't have a YouTube channel with anyone watching it, I would have wanted to make those videos and put them out for me because um, yeah. capturing it is something I want to, yeah, I want to have that forever and I can show my kids and look back on it and have a real laugh and a smile. So they're probably my favorite. Yeah, I have to say, looking at those videos, because I was, I remember you were videoing at one point, I hopped off the bike because it was like a, 
a sheer drop or something coming up. And I was like, I don't want to ride near that. And I hopped off the bike and you were riding past me filming. And I was like, no way you're getting <laughs> Don't worry. I put all the bits of me walking in as well. Yeah, but watching those two, like I have to say, it was such nice memories. And it made me feel like, oh, Dawn, you should have captured more during your race about what you were doing and your feelings about it and stuff. And I know it's it's hard to do when you're not used to it, right? Like yeah. you don't inevitably think, oh, I'm going to go to this moment and stuff. But it is such a nice memory yeah, to have. And I'm going to link to those in the show notes so everyone can have a look. Because I think there was one moment, yeah, the, the hotels you guys stayed in too. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. Because <laughs> I'm, yeah, that one that we got separated that night. Julie and I stayed somewhere else, and you and Juliana stayed at that special hotel. Like, yeah, was yeah. oh, and the meal we had. Oh dear. <laughs> well, we couldn't even eat it. But anyway, yeah, check out the videos. They're funny. <laughs> yeah. But it's been so nice to chat. I can't yeah. wait to see you again at some stage at the year. Yeah, sure. Somewhere. Yeah, figure out my year. I've Yeah, that big calendar I'm going to... I'll link well, to the... I've created a calendar. I'm going to link to it in the show notes if anyone wants to print it out, too. Oh, it's cool. Whole year. Oh, nice. I'll, I'll, kind of... I'll print that out. Um, well, maybe we should reconvene in Girona when uh, Juliana moves there. Yes. I agree. Yeah, we we've just we're inviting ourselves to. Hey, Julia, we're coming coming to your house. In a bit. But yeah, no, super nice to chat with you and learn all about yeah your story and what you get up to and seeing Thanks. the other side of it, getting more in depth rather than us just catching up generally yeah. and stuff. So it's been really nice. Thank oh, well, so thanks much. for having me on, and you know, well done with the podcast. It's going so well. Yeah. <laughs> I aim to, I was like, after the success of the episode one, I was like, people love unhinged bike stories. I was like, yeah. I just need to get more, like crazy stories. But yeah, and we all have them, right? We all have these yeah. crazy, crazy stories and these big adventures. So it's been an absolute joy to share them with people. Yeah. But anyways, thank you again. Thank you. Um, yeah. Um, let's try and hook up sometime. Stay in touch. If you like this episode, why not give us a little kudos? Five stars only wherever you're listening to this podcast. And remember, sharing is caring. Thank you for listening.